Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. It's good to be here with everybody. As Bryson said, my name's Christian. I'm one of the ministers on staff here at Bethel. Today, we're going to pick back up in our sermon series, A Better Story, talking about the story of Scripture, the story of salvation, the impact it has on us as we go out and evangelize to the lost. Um, a couple weeks ago, Bryson talked about the different aspects of the story and how it's not just that we're sinners and are saved, but that it, it, it ministers us in many different ways, in our brokenness and our self-doubt and our loneliness, that this is a story that brings us hope. Erica, two weeks ago, talked about the impact of that story, when we're bold to go out and share it, how that changes and transforms lives of those around us. And so today, what I want to talk about is what does it actually look out to go? What does it mean on a daily basis in our normal everyday lives to go out and share the gospel? Um, this is something that a friend of mine has actually been thinking about a fair bit. This is in my Sunday life group. And one of the things that he's been realizing is that he doesn't really go and share the word. That with the people he sees most consistently on a daily basis, that with them, he's not going out and sharing the gospel. He's not going out and talking to them about this God that means everything to him. Now, I've walked with this man for a couple of years since he's been in college, and I can attest to the fact that he is fully and firmly rooted in God, devoted to him, that he attends church regularly, he's plugged in, he's being discipled, he's a part of a life group at his church back in California, and one here at Bethel still. But yet, he realized that there was a disconnect going on from the things that were most important to him. And what he'd actually talk about with people who weren't in church or weren't Christians. As I was, as we were talking about this on Sunday, and I was preparing for the sermon, I realized this is kind of, I think, a situation that a lot of us face. Of how do we actually bring the hope that's been given to us into our workplaces, into our neighborhoods, and into the people that we interact with most often on a regular basis? As we dive into this, I want to turn back to where we started a couple weeks ago, which is 1 Thessalonians 1.8. It's the, uh, one of the verses that Pastor Bryson talked about. But he said, and this is Paul writing, says, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. So the first things that we see about the church in Thessalonica is that they've received the message from Paul and they're actually going out and taking it forth. That their faith is compelling them to go and bring others in. It's, it's compelling them to go out and it's and spread to the whole region. That people know in Thessalonica, there's Christians there and they love God and they're sharing his word. That those people love the Lord. And then, but then later in the same chapter, um, the same book, uh, chapter 4, verses 10 through 12, Paul talks about the life that the Thessalonians live. And this is what he said. For that indeed is what you are all doing, all the brothers throughout Macedonia. We urge you brothers to do this more and more. 
and aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. And what's out to me from this late, this passage is how Paul describes the way the Thessalonians are living. That they're living quietly, minding their own affairs, working with their hands, and walking properly before outsiders, dependent on no one else but themselves. And at least to me, in my context, now I typically think about evangelism, that doesn't sound like a very evangelistic people. It doesn't sound like a people who are so full of the word that the entire region would know that the gospel has reached Thessalonica. That, that, those, that doesn't sound like people who are really actively going out, sharing their faith, sharing what the Lord has done, and preaching it on a consistent and daily basis. And so I began to try to like figure out what it is, what is that they are doing, or what's the most that would bridge this gap of that the whole region would know, and yet they're living quiet lives, make quiet lives, and minding their own affairs. And what impacts does that have for us as we figure out what it means to actually live a lifestyle of evangelism and go out and tell the story of how God has changed us for him? And so the first thing is to discuss what actually is evangelism. What does it mean to go out? I think, especially in the Western context, we have an idea of what evangelism is. And our idea is it's usually either someone on a stage preaching to people who don't have heard the gospel, maybe like Dr. Rice's God's Not Dead events, where you gather in a bunch of people who have never heard the gospel or don't know Christ, and you share facts with them and, and stories with them, or maybe on a little more personal level, it's going out to people you've never met before and telling them about Jesus. We see this a lot of times in short-term missions. That's one of the primary ways we think about evangelism. It's like, well, I'm just going to go to this other country and tell people there about the Lord, I'm going to come back. And we do usually full of incredible testimonies, incredible stories. Like, for example, I was in Peru a couple weeks ago. On our trip down there, 430 people heard the gospel and 80 people gave their life to Christ. That's incredible. But that doesn't necessarily teach you or show you how to actually go out and reach your neighborhood. You're like, oh, that's great. I can go do that. I can go get on a short-term mission trip. I can go to another country and preach the gospel there and then come back. But that's not actually really reaching the people you see in your everyday walk. You know, or you know, we have classes here in evangelism. We've got one coming up. We've got an engage training coming up on July 8th. I would encourage everyone to go to and there we'll learn about different tools you can use to evangelize. We want the God test, which is a simple quiz that allows you to just initiate a conversation with someone you've never met. You get trained in how to share your two-minute miracle, just a condensed version of your testimony, but you got rescued and brought to Christ. You'll, um, or maybe, you know, you'll learn about the SALT method of starting a conversation, asking questions, listening, and tell the story. And all these are fantastic tools that then later that day we'll go out, teach you how to apply in that context. But then at least for me, when I take a step back, I realize that something's kind of off because I'm still not yet equipped and prepared to reach the people in my neighborhood. I have a graphic here that kind of reaches the, the, the progressions of conversation according to Sam Chan. Um, and the first one, generally, is interests. Interests are just things that you do 
ways that, you know, just what are you interested in? Like, what do you do for work? What are your hobbies? What do you care about? You like to go see movies. For me, I like to work out and play sports. It's my favorite kind of things to do in my downtime. So the next kind of situation here is your value, your preferences. Values are like your preferences, how you wish the world was. And the third session is worldview. And worldview is kind of your underlying assumptions that guide you throughout it. And all these tools that we talk about, the God test and two-minute miracles, they're designed to very quickly get you from never having met, kind of skip the interest and values, and jump straight to worldview. They're a condensed way to get a conversation to that center circle where spiritual conversations actually happen and when you can truly share the gospel and bring people in. But if you went into your work or went and started knocking on doors in your neighborhood, being like, hey, you want to take this quick quiz, this like 10-minute quiz I have? You would probably see some fruit because this is a valid and good way to share the gospel. But you'd also very quickly become that guy that's out there trying to get me to take a quiz about his religion when I need to be doing my job or I'm trying to chill in my house or hang out with my kids, hang out with my friends. You become, you become the weird guy. It's not a natural way to share the gospel with people who you're going to see and have continued relationship with day after day if they say no. You know, and it can quickly set you apart. Be like, ooh, that just doesn't quite work. And oftentimes, the other thing that can happen here is we always think of evangelism as going out. We actually start to forget about those people. This is kind of my, a little bit of my story of when I got to college, I started being discipled. One of the things I taught us was the need to go out and evangelize. So me and a friend would start going out. We said, once a week, I think for pretty much all of freshman year and most of our sophomore year, we went out on our campus. We didn't use the God test. We were in different ministries. We had a different quiz that we used. But we kind of, that same principle of going through a quiz and asking people if they wanted to hear the gospel. And one of the things I realized in that gap after my sophomore year was that while I had evangelized a fair amount of people I didn't know on campus, I hadn't actually reached any of my friends that I knew. Now, this time, my entire time in college, I lived with people who didn't know Christ. A lot of friends of my majors who didn't know Christ. The Lord blessed me with relationships where I could have been evangelistic. But because I kept thinking of evangelism as going out to people I didn't know, because those were the tools I had been equipped with and the way I had been taught to do it, I missed how to actually reach them, the people that I was walking in relationship with, that knew me best, that saw me on a daily basis, that I did homework with, that I played games with, that I lost to at Mario Kart and Smash, because I didn't know how to shift those conversations, I didn't know how to share the gospel with them. All I knew was how to go out and reach somebody else. And so real quick before we move on, I just want to emphasize that these tools are good. Doing evangelism like that is good. It's just not the only way, and it's not the way that we're going to most effectively reach our direct communities. And so then, maybe, I think the other temptation we have in the American church is we swing so far to the other side that we kind of zone in on the, the part of this verse that says, and aspire to live quietly, mind your own affairs, work, and work with your hands as we instructed you. So you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. That we zone in and go, okay, I'm just going to live quietly. I'm going to live quietly and mind my own business and just wait for the opportunity when people ask me about Jesus. 
I'm going to be their friend. I'm going to be in their life. I'm going to talk sports with them. I'm going to talk family with them. I'm going to maybe even invite them over to my house when I invite my, the rest of my unbelieving friends over to my house. We'll chill. We'll watch the Super Bowl together. We'll, we'll, we'll do some life together, but I'm never really going to mention my faith. I'm not going to, you know, try to push my faith on them. I don't be that guy that's just always talking about Jesus. And so I'm just going to live my life and wait for them to ask me about the thing that sets me apart while doing nothing, demonstrating to them that I'm set apart. That I'm going to sit, I'm going to invite them in and wait for them to ask me about something that sets me apart while doing, telling, doing nothing towards them that actually sets me apart. And when we do this, we also miss a key part of relational evangelism. This, <laughs> I was sitting upstairs with Selena, we were working on this, and she, he threw out this example, it's kind of from our marriage, but works here. That doing this is kind of like, a struggle that we've had where Selena really cares about our house being clean. It's very, very important to her. One of the things that we discovered early on in our marriage is that I don't notice dirt. <laughs> it does not bother me. <laughs> you can ask her. It's continued to astound her how I can just walk into a place, it be dirty, and not notice it. I just, I, I don't. Uh, <laughs> it's hilarious. And so... This version of evangelism would be like if she never once asked me to clean the house or expressed how important it was to her that the house be clean, but kept walking in expectation that I would one day be like, hey, baby, how can I clean the house for you today? What part of the house needs to be clean today? How can I, how can I bless you by, by cleaning up a certain mess? Like what, what room needs to be vacuumed and swept and the baseboards wiped? Which is a little ridiculous because I don't think about it. She's the only one thinking about it. And if she's never expressed that to me, I'm never going to know. We're still working on this, guys. Just keep praying for the Lord to sanctify me in this area. <laughs> That's a little bit of what we do when we take just this friendship evangelism of being friends without ever actually talking or sharing about our faith and what's most important. And I've done this too. I don't know, there was another group of friends in college that there were a couple of engineering majors with me that I did pretty much all of my projects with from sophomore through senior year. So I was with them a lot. They were all athletes, so it was always kind of, they were always coming in and out. And we worked well together as a team of getting our, our homework done and our projects done. And I kind of adopted this approach to evangelism with them of I'm just going to be their friend, do my work with them, and, and just kind of wait for the right opportunity when they ask me the right question to share and weirdly enough, in the four years while I was in college with them, I never got asked that question. That at no point where any of those people ever come up and ask me, hey, what is that sets you apart or, or why is your faith so important to you? That our discussions mainly stayed on our homework, on our projects, maybe on the sports that they were playing and the travels that they were up to. But the faith, the thing that I never brought up, never got talked about and I was never asked. And indeed, when we flip back up to this verse, we go back up to 1 Thessalonians 1.8. It says, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith has gone forth everywhere. Now, the word of God cannot sound forth unless you talk about it. Things don't go forth unless you actually mention them. A trumpet doesn't blare forth announcing the call for the army to come up unless someone actually blows into it. Trumpets can't sit there. Someone's got to pick it up and actually use it for the sound to go forth. So what we realize is that 
in terms, in regards to attempting to reach our communities and reach our neighborhoods, then we need to do something different than just knocking on doors with a God test, but it has to be more active than just sitting there and waiting for people to ask us questions. And this is where we begin to figure out what it actually means to evangelize. That evangelism, in, in, in a narrow sense, is sharing the story of Jesus and what he's done in our life. What does it actually mean to share the story of Jesus and what he's done? Selena took a semester and she went to Denmark while she was in college studying abroad. And one of the things that came about while she was in that country, it's a country that at this point is basically unchurched, is that she became known as the person who was going to church. She was open with people about this simple act that she was doing of just attending church regularly. That this was something that she prioritized, something she cared about, that her faith was important to her, and even while being in another country away from her family, that she was going to find a way to be actively engaged and participate in her faith. One of the things that she says after she got back was she had more gospel conversations there with her friends that she made in her study abroad program than she did with her friends in the States at Vanderbilt. Because the friends there knew her as the girl who went to church and cared about Jesus. They knew her as someone whose faith was important because she didn't hide it. She didn't hide it away from them. But they knew her as someone who cared about her faith, cared about, about being an active participating member in her religion and in a church. Then opened up our opportunities to share with her friends, with her host mom, with everyone she interacted with because they knew that her faith was important to her. Because she actually told them this is something that she was going to do and something that she did. And going back to that, um, the graphic, that this becomes the first step in evangelism. It's simply sharing interests. That the first step in evangelizing to our communities and our workplace is simply having a conversation with them about our shared interests. Having a conversation with them about what we did this past weekend. Going back to, to Rainier, um, the, to my friend, he was saying how one of the things he doesn't do in his work is tell people what he did over the weekend. He volunteers at his church on Saturday. He goes to church on Sunday. But when people at his work would ask him what he did, he wouldn't mention those things. That in this first step of shared interest, let me get the, the graphic back up, the shared interest, which is simply telling others what it is that you do and things you're interested in, that he left out all the part that was about Christianity. And so often we can do this too. That in getting to know someone, depending on the context we're getting to know them in, we oftentimes are tempted and feel like, well, I don't want to mention the Christian thing too soon. I don't want to mention how important that actually is to me just yet because I don't want to scare them off and drive them away. But, like we see with Selena's story in Denmark, it's when we actually share that interest that then they actually know that we're the person to turn to when they want to have a further conversation, that we're the person to turn to when they want to have a further conversation about their faith. And then you can you move on down, you get to values. If someone knows that you care about religion, you care about your faith, they're going to begin to ask you about it, ask you questions about it, to begin to wonder, like, why do you care so much about it? Going back to kind of my time in college, the people that, some of the people I was most effective at sharing the gospel with were just my roommates. That after kind of that sophomore year, I was like, hey, I'm going to be more bold, more intentional to mention the importance of my faith to them in our everyday walk. 
to mention the importance of what I'm doing, that I was leading a prayer group on campus, that I was helping lead Bible studies, that I was going out and evangelizing and actually begin to share what I was doing with the people I was living with, what was actually dominating most of my time. And as we did that, we began to actually have conversations about why that was important, about why I did care so much about that, that when they had questions about Christianity and how Christianity related with science, they knew that I was someone they could come to and talk to who would share that with them without pushing Christianity upon them. I actually had a, never quite know how to take this statement, but one of my friends told me my, our senior year that he really valued our friendship because of that fact that I, that I never pushed Christianity upon them, but yet I still stood firm in my faith and they knew how important it was to me. And that point was reached simply because I shared my story, my everyday walk with them. That's really what it means to share your story, is to share your everyday walk. Because our story didn't, our story with Christ didn't end when we were saved. That's actually when it began. Our story with Christ didn't just end when we, we accepted him as Lord and Savior. That's actually when he began the process of transforming our life. There's things I'm still working on today. He's still continuing to minister to me and, and grow me and transform me more and more like him. There's still things he's doing. And it's even going to be little things. It doesn't mean things that he's necessarily doing to us, but a miracle or, or a favor that we received in our life. We bought our house in October of 2021, a little bit of a miracle process, that it was the first house we put an offer on, and we got it for market value in one of the craziest markets in Nashville. Every time I tell that story to people, I go, it was a miracle that God provided. Like, we expect it to be so much harder, but God made it so easy. Every time I tell people that, they're like, unbelievers, that's my unbelieving friends. They're like, really? And I tell them the process of how we got there. They're like, oh yeah, that's like the only explanation. That even in that little moment with that little story of me sharing how we got a house actually serves as an opportunity to share the gospel about how God's favor is upon my life how he takes care of me, how he provides for me, how he's continuing to look out for me. That even that little moment is, a, is telling my story and bringing them into a deeper understanding of God's love for those who call upon his name. And then lastly, it can be something that's ongoing. As I was reflecting back on this sermon, thinking about the two people that I've probably shared the gospel with the most— there are two people that I talk about religion with the most. Two friends who neither of them know Christ, but one of them, she and I, every time we get together, the first thing we ask is, how are you doing in your faith? And from that point, we get to talk about actually like what Christ has done in my life. Another one is one of my close friends from college. Um, he's not a believer. I've shared the gospel with him. He's not a believer. We're still praying for him. But because he knows how important my religion is to me, he's been one of my strongest and most consistent financial partners in my time in ministry. For the first couple of years, I was on support. He was one of the first people who signed up. Now, every time I go on a short-term mission trip, he's one of the people that I hit up and ask. And he always is quick to say, yeah, no, I want to give to you because I know how important this is to you. That he's sowing into the kingdom now because I've shared with him how important my faith is. That he gets to hear about the fruit that's happening on mission trips I go on because he knows how important my faith is to me and he's genuinely invested in my life. That because I've gone through those three levels of relationship from interest to values to we know each other's worldview, 
that it's not weird or awkward when I tell him, yeah, I'm going to go to another country and share the gospel. Would you like to support me in that? Or when I'm going to come back to him later and be like, hey, here's the fruit that God did. Here's the miracles that God did on this trip. That he's actually excited to hear about what God's doing, even though he doesn't know God yet, simply because of the relationship that we've cultivated and developed. Because I've allowed him and brought him into being a part of my story and a part of my life and a part of my walk with Christ. So coming back to my friend, this is kind of what he realized as we were talking in Bible study, the way he needed to do, was that his step to reaching the people at his office, the people that he works with, was simply being open about the things that he does, about how actually important his faith is to him. Simply telling them, yeah, I volunteer on Saturdays. I volunteer differently the week to help feed the homeless. That I go to church on Sundays. That I deeply care about this faith. That it wasn't some complicated step of some needing to be equipped, but simply opening up his story to them, inviting them in to walk with it and see it on a daily basis, to see how God is actually transforming his life and bringing that about. Because telling our story isn't about finding the right moment, but simply inviting others in to our ongoing walk with Christ. The telling the story isn't waiting for them to ask the right question, it isn't even necessarily going out and trying to initiate the right conversation, but simply going out in love to tell others what it is that Christ has done for us, to actually bring people in and encourage them, to be there for them when they need us, to be open and available that if, they're, if they want to talk about something deep, that, hey, we're there, we're ready, that, yes, I'm going to talk to you about it from my perspective as a Christian and how God has ministered to me in these circumstances. And, they're, and, they're, and when we do that, and when we back that up by consistently letting them know how important our faith is, it's no longer us trying to push our faith on them in a moment, but actually us telling them, no, here's what got me through a similar situation. Here's what got me through a sh- the struggle with losing a grandparent or a parent or a sibling or a child. That this is what actually ministered to me in that moment, because now it's not coming from, oh, you're a Christian, that matters to you. It's coming from, oh, I know that matters, and you're sharing your, you, and because you love me, I'm able to receive, because you're sharing your heart with me as you sit with me and work with me through my anxiety and my pain and my doubt. That now you're actually, because they know your story, you're actually able to share the gospel with them and reach out to them because you've actually invited them in, made them a part of your life, and shared that, that, that was most important to you with them. And that, I think, is what the church in Thessalonica was doing. That while they were simultaneously living this quiet life, they were able to be bold because they simply actually made their lives about telling the story of Christ to everyone that they interacted with, to everyone that they went out to. The whole region knew that these people are on fire for Jesus because they, weren't, they were willing to share the day-to-day ways that he was impacting, changing, and drawing them closer to him. I think that's my encouragement to us today. That what are the ways that we can go into our workplace, into our um, neighborhoods, into the lives of our kids, friends, parents that we see at sporting events and dance recitals and violin recitals? And how can we share with them what God is doing right now so when the opportunity comes to actually present the gospel, they know that we're the ones who have the answer to the question about life that they're struggling with and facing. So Lord, I just pray, dear God, give you thanks, Father, 
for your word, dear Lord, that it's not something that's complicated or massive, but you're simply inviting others into our story, inviting others into that moment of hearing your word, of knowing what it is that you are indeed the rule of our life, dear God, that we do indeed love you, dear Lord, that we love you above all and over all. And just give you thanks, dear God, that that's simply all we have to do to take the gospel forth and see the world transformed for you. Amen. Amen. Somebody say amen to that. Come on. That was a sermon right there. Man. That, I mean, my, my page on my iPad was full of notes. That was incredible. Did anybody, like, listen to that and go, well, I could do that? You know what I mean? Like, we're going to have the engaged training. We are, like, you know, pro-God test, pro-house-to-house, pro-evangelistic, you, know, you know, moments that, you know, that we look for the moment, like you said. You know, sometimes there's that. But it's not just looking for the moment. It's an ongoing conversation that we're committed to being faithful for. So, like, I know I listen to that and go, I could do that. Like, when somebody, you know, talks to me. Because I think about, so I worked you know, at, at Starbucks and then kind of in, you know, just in regular work that everyone else works at, not at a church. And I think in all my years of being a Christian, Christian, uh, like my whole time, like in the, you know, the secular workforce, the amount of times someone said, hey, what's different about you? Once. One time. And then he was like, and that's like the softball. It's like, okay, yeah, it's on. It's on. So I shared my testimony. I'm like, God did so much in my life and whatever. And the response, cool. That, if I was waiting for that and that was my entire evangelistic career, then it would it'd be pretty anticlimactic. Uh, and I was lucky to get that one because I also got, at another time, I invited someone to church and, and they said, wait, you go to church? I was like, okay, that hurts. <laughs> that hurts uh, that they didn't even know that I went to church. Uh, and so you could do it. Like if you took nothing else, you can do it. Talk about your weekend. Talk about, you know, the, the, tomorrow when people say, hey, what did you do last night? Hey, I went to church. You know, like talk about how it's important to you and not like you don't have to be that guy or that girl. And so I, I was super encouraged. Thank you, Christian, for that message tonight. So as we go, I hope that you go with, with almost that stamp on your mind that I can do this. All I have to do is do what everyone else is doing. Talk about your weekend. Talk about your life. Talk about what's important to you. And so I just hope that you can find a way that that can be contextualized into your situation, your workplace, your family, and all of those things that you can step. Can we, Ron, can you put that graphic up one more time? And we'll, let's just leave it up as we go. Uh, just how powerful that was. As we can step from our interests to our values, into our worldview, and invite people in to a deeper space, step by step by step. That we're not waiting, I love that, that was worth the price of admission all by itself. We're not waiting for the perfect moment. We're being committed to the process. We're committed to the ongoing conversation. So Lord, bless us as we go. Thank you for this time. Thank you for Christian and that word that we got tonight. Help us live it. Lord, we love you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for coming to Bethel Midweek.